Hey, this is Hojo, and you're listening to me on Baseball and Barbecue with my two best friends, my new best friends, Jeff and Leonard. So y'all enjoy it, okay? This is episode 81 of Baseball and Barbecue. I am Leonard Aberman, and I am honored to be joined by the other half of our double play combo, a man who should be voted unanimously into the Hall of Fame, Jeff Cohen, as we bring you incredible guests from the baseball and barbecue world. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Leonard, how are you doing? Good. Excited. We already had our first episode of the new year, so this isn't even our first episode of the new year. It's our second episode. It's exciting because, you know, tonight we're doing a brundle fly. If, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, we are bringing together two worlds, colliding them. We're All bringing right. together a true rocket scientist who then became an award-winning pitmaster and an ambassador for head country, as well as a representative for Traeger Grills, who has very quickly become a good friend of the show. That is Doug Scheiding, who is a self-avowed Chicago Cubs fan. And then we bring in none other than a major league baseball veteran who played for 15 years for five teams. He had two home runs in the 1984 World Series. And he has played with some of the game's greatest. And that is Kurt Bavakwa. How exciting is that? They call him dirty. Yes. Kurt Bavakwa. He was a great interview and very timely because we talk about the Hall of Fame, which will be the, the announcement will be in a couple of weeks. Yes. And, but there's no... As we tell everybody our opinion, and of course, that's just how the voters should go. So. Of course, of course. <laughs> but we get both of them on. We do a, a, a round table, and I think we got into some really interesting talk. We're actually splitting it into three segments. We're going to have Kurt and Doug, and then we'll have Doug and us talking baseball, some more baseball, because Kurt had to leave at one point, and then we conclude with Doug and Barbecue Talk, this is an episode you don't want to miss. Absolutely not. This is baseball and barbecue. <laughs> yeah. And let me say. any better. That's right. And let me say, if you want to give the show a call, call us, 516-855-8214. Email us, baseballandbbq at gmail.com. We have Twitter. Our Twitter address is at baseballandbbq. We have Instagram at Baseball and Barbecue with barbecues all spelled out. Check us out on our YouTube page and check us out on our website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And 
BaseballTalkRadio.com, and please rate and review us. When it comes to baseball and barbecue and Hall of Fame talk, this is the only podcast that you ever need. That's right. Let's join Kurt and Doug as we talk about baseball and the Hall of Fame. Baseball and BBQ is pleased to welcome back to a show a 15-year veteran of six major league teams, most notably with the San Diego Padres. And he was a big part of the World Series run in 1984, where he batted 412 and hit two home runs against the Detroit Tigers. He played infield, and he was known by the nickname Dirty. Born in Miami and now called San Diego home, welcome back, Kurt Ovacqua. I have the honor of introducing Doug Shiding. For those of you listeners who may not know, Doug Shiding played for the Chicago Cubs, hit 550 career <laughs> home runs, also pitched on his on the off days when they needed a relief pitcher. Had a 1.30 career ERA. And all right, so I, you, you all know I'm kidding, but actually, Doug Shiding from Road Cookers, he's a barbecue world champion. He's also a Traeger spokesperson. He's a head country ambassador. He's also the longest running embedded correspondent on the Barbecue Central show. For those of you who don't know, we're going to make it official right now. Doug is our friend, <laughs> and Thank we you. are pleased to have him on with us, and honored to have Kurt Pavacqua as well, so let's do it. How you doing, Kurt? Doing great. How about yourself? Hey, guys. Hey, Doug. Howdy. So, like I said, we want to uh, talk to you about the Hall of Fame. It's Hall of Fame season. There's battling going on, and we know the last time we spoke to you, you've had some uh, very strong opinions on it, so we'd like to get your take on it. And, and you know what, Kurt? You were a fantastic phenomenal guest when we have a great guest and we get great feedback on that guest we bring them back as quickly as we can so we should have had you back a lot sooner but thanks for coming back with us well it's my pleasure and i'm i'm glad that we got some some good vibes from the folks listening out there boy guys i tell you what there's not a whole lot about baseball lately that i'm that i'm enjoying to be perfectly honest with you so to you know, to talk about induction into the Hall of Fame just a few days after Richie Allen passed away and the Hall of Fame announcing that they're not going to hold the uh, the Golden Days and Irish Committee uh, situation, which, you know, there, there was a chance that Richie might have been elected before he died, if in fact... It wasn't for this COVID-19 thing. You know, I love Tim Mead. He's the new Hall of Fame guy, uh, deservingly so. He's a great guy. He was in Southern California Marketplace for a long time, mostly with the Angels. But to not make this something that was put in the forefront, it almost leads me to believe that, no, you know what, I'm not even going to go there because uh, I think it's unfair if, I've already said Tim's name, and I know a damn well that he cares about people, but they need to make some decisions to get guys who deserve to be in certain situations and, for that matter, get the workforce back to work all around the United States with this COVID thing. For them to announce that they weren't going to have Zoom meetings on these these committees because they had to look each other in the eye was something along those lines. 
I don't know the exact quote. That bothered me a little bit. And, and I'm sure it bothered a lot of other people because I can talk to somebody just as well as I can in person the way we're doing right now. And for somebody to make a statement that the error committee has to be a personal thing, they have to sit down across from one another, it, it almost makes me believe that they sway each other's votes by hearing something like that. And, you know, I would like to think that that doesn't happen. But, you know, I've seen these vote votings uh, turn out a lot differently when, than we all anticipated, especially with a guy that's actually going to be inducted this year into the Hall of Fame and Marvin Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. Right. And, you know, it was all about the committees that were put together. And I'm wondering if we shouldn't sit back and take a look at it. Wow. Was it because they said it was some rule or something that it had to be in person and that couldn't be adjusted given the circumstances? But uh, um, that's what I had read about it. And I was actually surprised and a little disappointed because we may go this year without having anyone inducted, which well, would be, I think, a travesty or a, a for baseball, I think. I tell you what, that wouldn't bother me at all. Oh, really? Because if there's nobody that's deserving to go into the well, Hall of Fame – they shouldn't have anybody in Cooperstown in July getting inducted into the Hall of Fame that doesn't deserve to be. There's plenty of guys that have been passed over in Hall of Fame bout of voting that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And now they're struggling to get enough votes within the 10-year period to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, and some of them aren't going to be. When they have a ceremony in Cooperstown, just to have a ceremony, that bothers me. So I wouldn't care if they went a whole year without uh, somebody being inducted. But if somebody deserves it, I think they should. But for them to, uh, you know, it, it bothers me what you just said, Doug, about what you read was the reason for them not having the, the committee put together. It's Correct. a rule. I mean, who makes the rules? Yeah, I, I, I knew nothing of this rule. So I yeah, thought, well. I mean, it's that's. You know, that's ludicrous. And I, and I actually think the Veterans Committee can vote some people that may be deserving in, into the Hall of Fame, and that's part of what they do. So I, I actually thought that if no one is elected through the writers, that they actually may have someone that, that would go forward, in addition to the ones that made right. it last year. I agree with that. You know, I, I always thought that the, you know, that was to make up for the, you know, past omissions. I don't know what it is, but sometimes players, they slip by. And, and I always thought it was to, to make up for those errors. So it's a shame that they didn't meet. I don't really, the whole looking someone in the eye, I, it, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And it's a shame that, that he passed away uh, before. But can we, if we could talk about this year's ballot for, for a moment, or there's some, there's some people on the ballot, of course, that if we could jump in, there were some known steroid users on the ballot. I'd like to get everybody's opinion. First of all, what are your opinions as far as steroids? And if, if a person is a known steroid user, let's say a Barry Bonds, should they go in the Hall of Fame? Kurt? Well, you know, I think the thought, press on, uh, thought process on this has become a little more laxed over the course of the years. And I know it it doesn't have anything to do with steroid use, but a person that had 
full knowledge of steroids being used uh, in Major League Baseball was inducted in the, into the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. And that was commissioner of baseball. So for Bud Selig to be in the Hall of Fame and for them to, for them to say that the players can't, that were using the steroids that he allowed, then shame on baseball and shame on the Hall of Fame. You know, Bud Selig's been involved with corruption ever since 1983 when he got together with all the other owners and put together the collusion ruling. So I uh, got the play, got the owners to collude against the players association. Naturally they were fine for it, but you know, Bud Selig was one of the head honchos in that. What the hell is Bud Selig doing in the hall of fame? So we, we ask a lot of questions about guys that deserve to get into the hall of fame and aren't, but we very seldom talk about, and I've been outspoken about this before too. And it's, uh, it's a shame that we even have to go there, that somebody like that gets elected in the Hall of Fame. And then you've got a guy like Marvin Miller, who some owners just couldn't stand because of what he did for the Players Association. And that's the reason he wasn't elected to the Hall of Fame, because, again, he was elected through the Veterans Committee. Right. So, you know, he, he wasn't going to get elected any other way. I mean, I think it's going to be fun, and, I, and I'm sorry that those guys lost uh, the opportunity last year because of COVID in uh, Jeter, Walker, and Simmons. Whether or not these guys all deserve – the guys that are in the Hall of Fame, I'll never point out that they shouldn't be. Non-baseball players, maybe, like I just did. <laughs> right. <laughs> but with uh, – with, with guys that were elected into the Hall of Fame and it was a ball player, I will never say that they don't belong there. Do I believe that there's guys in the Hall of Fame that shouldn't, be, shouldn't have been elected? Yes, but I'll never name who I think they are. Right. Uh, that, w- that would be very unfair. And besides, I have too much respect for guys that played the game in the game of baseball. But I think it's going back to what we said earlier in the conversation. It's a ceremony. And, and it's become a marketed uh, ceremony in which, you know, there's a lot of money that's made and there's a lot of money that changes hands when players get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And a lot of visitors go to Cooperstown and, you know, they, they all go there and, and, and they should. I mean, it's a great place to go and visit. But if you don't have guys that, that put up the numbers and deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, you know, today's day and age with – the type of player that gets voted in and, and how they get nominated and, you know, the Tim Hudson's in the world and the Tory Hunters of the world basically being scratched off the list because their war isn't what the Hall of Fame averages. That really b- bugs me. Um, you know, here's a new statistic that was just brought into, into play in baseball. And now that's how we're judging a guy's entrance in the Hall of Fame. I, I just don't think it's right. I completely agree with you. And I'm glad you brought up Tim Hudson and, and Tory Hunter. And the reason I say this is because I was listening to the radio the other day and this in New York, and there was this sports personality on the radio, don't remember his name. And he was really upset with some of the names on the Hall of Fame ballot. You know, the Nick Swishers, the Shane Victorinos. And I'm, I said to myself, wait a second. To be on the Hall of Fame ballot, you have to be one of the top, 
I don't know, 1,000 players to be in Major League Baseball, and you have to do that for 10 years. So to be on the ballot is, is, is a hell of an accomplishment, and it should not be degraded because, you know, you don't, you don't think it's good enough. Now, obviously, you know, these guys probably not going to make the uh, election. It'll probably drop off. But just to be on the ballot, that is a hell of an accomplishment by these, by these guys, and it should not be degraded at any point. What, what does it take to get on the ballot? You have to be uh, ten years, at least ten years, and be and then be retired five years after that to uh, get on the ballot. Yes. So I was on the ballot at one time. Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> I think I paid off Phil Collier out here in San Diego to at least vote for me. I wanted to get one vote. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> to have a career for ten plus years in the major leagues, where the competition is so fierce. And especially, Kurt, when you played, there were less teams, is, is, is a really a major accomplishment, like Jeff said. Doug, there are, on the, on the ballot, we know there are some players on this ballot. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Manny Ramirez, uh, Sammy Sosa, just the, looking quickly at it, that we know the only reason that they're, they're not in yet has to do with either we're tested for steroids, we're suspected of steroids, we're on the list, you know, you know, but it's definitely steroids involved. Doug, you grading these players, would you put any known steroid users in the Hall of Fame? Yes, I would. And I, when I went back to the definition of what is the voting's based on, the record, ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contributions to the team. To me, if it's not just a yes or no answer. So a lot of people, players, seem to have denied it, and there's a lot of evidence supporting that they did. There's other players that have come out and said, yes, I did, asked for forgiveness. So I would probably be more willing to, to um, someone that's come clean and bring them in. So I, I would do that. People that have tested, there's at least one person that has tested in 2009, I believe it was, and tested positive after, you know, it was implemented in 2005. And actually, I think there were two instances for that person. So to me, that's a problem because you know that it's illegal at that time. And so you should be, you should be not, not only once, but twice. So that person, that probably wouldn't be someone from a character than sportsmanship that I would vote for. Kurt, I'm putting up, you know what, if, if I had a hall of fame uh, vote this year, mm-hmm. there's probably five guys that I would vote for. All right. Well, go ahead. Shillings. Right. Uh, Clemens bonds, Sheffield and Jeff Kent. Okay. You know what? We'll go around, but uh, I know right away. Uh, well, I don't want to put words in Jeff's mouth. I, I agree with you on Kent. I want to, let's talk about Jeff Kent for a, uh, for a second. I, I think Jeff Kent should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's got great stats. I think he gets penalized because people say, well, you know, he played with Bonds and Bonds carried him. I don't agree with that. Jeff, Doug, uh, well, okay, start with Doug. Doug, are you putting Jeff Kent in the Hall of Fame? He was on my uh, list of top 10, but not in my top five. Yes. Okay, Jeff. Uh, well, you know what? Jeff Kent was a, a wonderful player. I, I just, I never saw him as a Hall of Famer. That may just be my, uh, my perception. I know he was a great hitter. 
I'm not sure how, how great it would have feel, but you know what? I, I can go either way. But actually, I want to talk about Omar Vizquel for a minute, Kurt, if, if, you, if you don't mind. I was looking at his, his stats and comparing them to Ozzie Smith. Hitting-wise, they're very, very equal. Omar did play a couple more years than, than Ozzie Smith. Ozzie's, they both, uh, I think Ozzie had 13 gold gloves and Omar had 11. They're very close there. Ozzy obviously was a much had was a all star fifteen times. I think Omar was only three times. And but Omar played in the in the American League when you had Nomar Garcia Para, Derek Jeter, A Rod. But I, I think Omar was, deserves to be in all of fame because he was just a fantastic shortstop, and he, he just doesn't have the nickname like like the Wizard of Oz. Your thoughts? Well, you know, there's another guy that when you uh, when you start thinking about guys that could be could put in. To Cooperstown, but you know, I think one of the names, uh, unfair or not, that uh, that you pull out of off a plaque in Cooperstown to compare stats when when infielders roll around is mass. Right. And the the reason behind that is if you look at their his numbers, I mean, they're just you know they they just don't jump out off the page at you, but. He was the guy that hit that famous home run. But I don't think the Hall of Fame is a place where, you know, you put somebody for a few games, performance, or one swing, performance. And I I think that that those situations occur when the voting goes on in the Hall of Fame and also the likability. You know, that shouldn't come into play. You know, it was mentioned that the – Boy, I hate it when I'm st- when I'm thinking of three or four things and I lose my train of thought. Well, I'll get back to it was mentioned before, but you know, you you can look at the stats of a guy like Billy Wagner. Uh, you can, I tell you what, from let's talk about this for a minute. I'm going to ask you guys because you're on top of it. From this day forward, is a starting pitcher ever going to get voted into the Hall of Fame? Oh, you're right, uh, and that that. That magical 300 number will never happen again. But you're right. Uh, actually, you know, I just finished the biography of Tom Seaver. And, you know, pictures like him and Gibson and even Greg Maddox, they're never going to come around again. They're not, they're not allowed to pitch that way any, anymore, which is a, a shame. I don't think uh, – you might not see a, a, a really good, good starting pitcher being elected. Oh, come on. Kershaw is going in on the first ballot. Yeah, well, I mean, is, yeah, I, I'm not going to take. And, and yeah, so, I'm not going to take him off the list. <laughs> but, you know, but but there is a different criteria that we need to. You know, we've got the the change in the mound in '69. We've got a juice ball. We've got a lot of things that are different in baseball. Even the hundred pitch, you know, limit that right. they that they you know do. Bob Gibson had 255 complete games. Clayton Kershaw has 25 complete games. But they're both going to be in the Hall of Fame. So the the criteria, you know, I read that there was a Jaws criteria, you know, your best seven years of war, which, you know, seems completely. And then there was an ERA plus, et cetera. I, I think there are certain, you know, pitchers out there that will will be getting in. We yes. won't have another 300 game. No. But an ERA now is, is, is looked at uh, much more importantly than, you know, it used to be wins – uh, wins and losses. And now, I mean, you're looking at these guys that are on this ballot and uh, like a Kurt Schilling, right? 216 career wins. But 
And and Kurt, you had said mentioned him as one of your choices. So 216 career wins, 146 losses. So his ratio is good. Career career ERA was 3.46, and he had great postseason numbers. Now let me ask you this: When looking at someone like Kurt Schilling, because some people will say, "Well, take away the postseason." Does the postseason? I, I first of all, I think postseason. Whatever the player does as a player, whether they're in the postseason or not, has to be involved in the decision. But are you putting Kurt Schilling in the Hall of Fame without his postseason numbers? No, no, and and I, I I'm not sure if you put him into the Hall of Fame without the one performance in Boston with blood coming through the sock. You know that was a Mazarowski type of a thing. And when you have guys that are in the Hall of Fame for certain things that they do, those are the kind of things that stand out to me that I'm trying to try to figure out how these guys think nowadays. And it's, it's hard for me because none of them have stepped foot on a baseball field before. So it's difficult me, for me to there's some people out there that probably know more about baseball than I do, but I don't know if they have hall of fame votes. Okay. They, yeah. I've met quite a few guys that have hall of fame votes that only think they know about the game. You know, they certainly don't know what, Oh, I know what it was earlier that you mentioned Leonard. You talked about Jeff Kent having protection with Barry, Barry Bonds. These guys don't even know what the hell they're talking about when they say that. Right. They have no clue because they've never played the game before and they don't realize how important that is. But believe me, Jeff Kent also protected Barry Bonds. So it can go both ways in that situation. And, you know, was he a check it off first time he's on the ballot hall of famer? No, but you compare him with other guys that are in Cooperstown's numbers and he deserves to be there. I don't think that's the way you vote for the Hall of Fames, Hall of Fame, because each player is different independently on what he brings to the game. Just like Doug said, you look at a guy like Joe Morgan, you know, there were some of his stats that really weren't that outstanding. But you know what? Joe Morgan was the winner. He made guys winners that were around him. And you know, he proved he was a winner with the Reds in, in 75 and 76 with back-to-back MVP awards. The type of player that he was, would he have been in the Hall of Fame if he hadn't been on the Reds in 75 and 76? Probably not. So those two years defined him as a Hall of Famer, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, don't compare Kent's numbers to Joe Morgan's numbers saying that he should be in the Hall of Fame, too, if Joe Morgan's in there. I just think that there's certain players that deserve to be in there that have been talked about for years and years and years, and they haven't gotten the opportunity. Hell, it's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Great. You know, there are great players that come and go in the game of baseball. Unfortunately, they're not guys that I used to look at as being my idols. And now there's plenty of guys who have plaques in Cooperstown that I don't consider my idol at all. Were they good players? Yeah, they were good players. Kurt, let me ask you this. 
as a former player, who did you play with? Is there someone you played with that is not in the Hall of Fame that you think should be? Yeah, you know why? <laughs> because when, when people tell me things like, you know, you played with 14 Hall of Famers, I go, what? <laughs> who were they? I don't even remember. <laughs> so let's see. I think we guys that. Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's one player that just does, it didn't get the recognition that he deserved. Would, would, would Steve Garvey be one? Well, you know, Garve's close. He's really close. And I, I wonder if I think about it quite often because him and I became pretty close in San Diego. And I almost wonder if his niceness didn't cause him to not be liked by a lot of the writers, which seems counterproductive. But Garve is such a good guy. And I think a lot of his off-field stuff might have hurt him in, in the voting with, with a lot of people. Maybe he wasn't being as honest as he wanted people to think that he was uh, with a lot of things. But, God, you hit me with a question that I can't – I'm going back, and I, I'm going to think about that for the rest of the time we're talking, and I'm going to – I'll have somebody – that's why we, a guy that's that why I never played with, another, another guy that, that really should be in the Hall of Fame and that isn't yet uh, is Tommy John. Yeah. Uh, they talk about him pitching for 26 years, and what does he have, 286 yeah. wins yep. or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like sure. Yep. sure he got them because of the longevity of his career, but, I mean, to hell, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yep going out there and putting up numbers for however number of years, boy, he did it two different ways too. I mean, he had different kind of stuff before it was the original Tommy John surgery. And then, you know, he became a finesse pitcher and it, and it worked for him. And you know what it's like to train every year to have to get your body in shape to go on the field. Because there was a period of time when I thought, you know, somebody who is called a compiler, right? And I thought, oh, they're a compiler. But the thing about a compiler is they're there every season. They stay on the field. They play through injuries. They put up numbers consistently every year. And you know what it's like to do that. So Tommy John put up those numbers. Maybe it took longer as far as years. But I agree with you. He's somebody who should definitely be considered for the Hall of Fame. I just thought of the guy, Al Oliver. Al Oliver, hell of a player, hell of a player. Yeah, and hell of a guy too. Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't, but he, uh, I know he's a hell of a player. He he hit a ball in Montreal one night. I was playing first base, and Sid Manji was the pitcher. And I know how Al used to hit the ball hard back through the middle. I used to watch him in batting practice, and he was one of those proverbial hit-down-on-the-ball kind of guys. And when you hit down on the ball, you create a backspin on it that's different than this launch angle that they talk about now. But Al used to hit the ball so hard through the infield and into the outfield, or if a guy was in front of the ball, he had to figure out a way to catch it without it breaking through the laces. But Sid Manji was pitching for us, Al hit a line drive 
back through the middle, and it hit Sid in the head. Tony Gwynn took one step in from right field and caught it in the air. Wow. <laughs> that's how hard he hit it, and he was fine. <laughs> that's why we can laugh about it now because I couldn't believe it. Al couldn't believe that he was out after hitting that ball. But Al was a good guy. He was a teammate in, uh, in both Pittsburgh and Texas, and he was a hell of a player and a hell of a hitter. He really was. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I'm just looking up Al Oliver. I mean, he was just shy of 3,000 hits and 58th all-time. And, wow, he, yeah, he, he, he was only on the ballot for one year and didn't make the 5%. Is that crazy? That is crazy. He only got 4.1%, it said. Wow. And, and he had, yeah, yeah, he is, wow, 4,000 bases. I mean, me getting 4.1%, you can, you can gulp that down. He was a That's career logical. 303 hitter. I know. He, it's, uh, I'm surprised I didn't think of him right off the bat, but I didn't think of Pittsburgh. I started – I don't know why I went to San Diego right away. You know, when you consider – and I don't want to bring up a guy who, who went in, but probably if you look at his stats and you compare him to Harold Baines, I have a funny feeling that Oliver's might be better. Just I don't even know his stats. I'm not looking at him but I just have a funny feeling. Well, that's where the nonsense of the Veterans Committee comes into play. And I'm not going to uh, downplay the career of a ball player because I know how difficult it is. But that particular player is in the Hall of Fame because of one guy. And you guys probably know who it is. And it's Jerry Reinsdorf. He's got a lot of power. He wields a lot of power. And for me to read what I talked about earlier, that you have to sit across from Jerry Reinsdorf at the table. You can't look at him on a Zoom call because you can't see the reaction. You can't see him kicking your frigging shin underneath the table (laughs) or whatever the hell that they do. But, you know, for that to be part of the process really bothers me. It really bothers me because this is the Hall of Fame. I mean, this is about them making a choice to put somebody in that's going to be in this place forever. I mean, it's never going to go away. And, and that's quite an honor. You know, the COVID-19 thing, and why do they call it COVID-19? Why isn't it COVID-20? It's been here <laughs> a hell of a lot longer than 19. <laughs> It was the, the 19th version of that particular virus. I, I don't even know where 19 came from, but that's Tony Gwynn's number. Yeah. Talking about a guy that really didn't get a lot of credit as much as he should is, is Tony. I know he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, and he almost got 100%. Maybe should have. I mean, that guy's one of the greatest hitters that this game's ever going to see. And totally he's great. Down that way. And you know what? There's a lot of people that never even saw him play, with the exception of a few World Series games, if they were lucky in 84. I, w- I want to ask you, you guys this before, because I know, Kurt, your time is limited. I want to ask Doug and Kurt this question. We see ballots now because of how they're processed. So we see ballots by the same people where last year they check off Let's say they check off Bonds and Clemens last year, and then this year they take them off, or maybe Todd Helton was last year and this year off. 
I understand if they had 10 people that were better than them on the ballot, but when they only have a few that they pick, if a guy is your Hall of Fame choice this year, wouldn't he be your Hall of Fame choice the following year? I mean, why would, why would somebody take this person off a ballot? Do you have any opinions on that, Doug? Well, if they're voting for 10, but I think you're talking about the case where they're not voting for 10. Exactly, exactly. So, it, it, nobody, puts, nobody checks off 10 on a ballot. These are people that checked off at most four or five. So why are they, one year they have them on and one year they don't? What they, now, what happened? Did they play more games? Did they lose stats? <laughs> I mean, why are they Hall of Famers? They one got year kicked under the table, who knows? But yeah, but anyway, yeah, I, I you know. <laughs> Perhaps going through this process, I changed my mind on a few things and uh, it, was, it was actually kind of interesting. So I could see in some cases where you, your mind might change or there might be new information. But, you know, for, for the most part, you'd think I, I'm a consistent guy and I'm loyal like a dog. So I'm, a, you know, I would think a consistent vote would be one that would be uh, cherished. Do you think, Doug, it has anything to do with the anonymity well, yeah, obviously, if, if it was totally anonymous, then, yeah, you could, you could play with things and, you know, change your vote from, from one year to the next. So That's the first thing that came to my mind yeah. when the question was asked, because if, if you don't want to be known as a steroid voter, you can vote for them behind the curtain. But once that curtain opens and everybody gets to see your vote, you take them off the ballot. Yeah. So in other words, you don't have any guts. That's basically what it boils down to. Right. You know, uh, Kurt, you know, a lot of people talk about Barnes and, and Clemens. And when I hear that, I think of another name that should be on this list, but he's not. Uh, and that's Ralphio Primero. The guy hit 3,000 hits, 500 home runs at those two magical marks. Yes, we know how what he said in Congress, but he's got to be in the same, same conversation as, as Barnes and Clemens and Sosa and all those guys. And he's not even he's not even eligible because he's off the ballot. And my name, my mind right away goes back to what everybody else saw. Yeah, with him testifying in front of Congress, being so adamant about what he was saying, and then going back to earlier in our conversation, hey, fess up. The world's going to forgive you. Just say this: I did it. I screwed up. I made him say, you know, it's hard to do at the time. It's just like it was hard, you know, for Pete to say that I gambled on baseball. You know, he denied it for as long as he possibly could. And then he finally came clean and he just made so many mistakes that I just don't know if he's ever going to get in. It's going to be a shame if he doesn't. I just don't know if, if it's ever going to happen. I think with Ralphie, it's, Boy, him and Will Clark at Mississippi State, that's something, wasn't it? Yeah, that's something. Wow. Talk about Hall of Fame. That's yes, pretty- really. Kurt, I know we only have a few more minutes of your time. I want to ask you, what do you think of the, the state of the game today as opposed to when you, you played? Obviously, it's, it's a much different game. I, I kind of liked your, your, your era better. But what, do you, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts? It's like what I said when I – when we started the show, I, there's not too many things that are happening in the game right now that are making me happy. You know, I, I look forward to watching baseball last year, just like everybody else. We were hungry for baseball games. You know, I'm going to watch baseball until the day I die. But 
it's not going to make me any more happy about the changes that have been made, the things that are being done, the elimination of 42 minor league teams just recently, Mm -hmm. the fact that Joe the Usher, that's done it for 20 years, is not going to have a job this year because that just doesn't hurt Joe the Usher. It hurts all the people that he greets that come into the ballpark and that it's been his lifelong work to work at a baseball game. I tell you what, nobody ushers at a minor league park for 15 to 25 years unless they love the game of baseball and they're ambassadors to the game of baseball. I challenge anybody doing this show right now to name an ambassador for the game of baseball right now. I mean, with all the disagreements that I've had with Tommy Lasorda, he was actually an ambassador for the game. There were Ernie Banks was an ambassador for the game of baseball. I can't think of any ambassadors to the game of baseball right now. It's surely not coming out of MLB's offices. It's a damn shame what's going on there. And I don't know, uh, I don't know how much more of it's going to go on. You know, they, they, they're keeping all the clubs right now uh, uh, sitting on a fence as to what's going to happen in 2021. I mean, I mean, I know they can't say how many games are going to be played, but they can surely make the rules for the number of games that are going to be played. Sure. I mean, is the National League going to have a DH or not? Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys' jobs that rely on that decision. There's payroll to be thought about for major league clubs. Um, I think that's what it's going to come down to this year. I think if you employ, if every National League club employs a designated hitter, most of them are going to be fairly highly paid guys because that's what DHs are for. And if there's 15 jobs lost, it's going to save a lot of money for major league teams. And I, I think these guys have finally gotten to a point, when I say guys, I'm talking about the owners, along with Manfred, have gotten to a point where they're agreeing a hell of a lot more than they're disagreeing with one another now because of the amount of money that's being made and just where they've put themselves. And I think they've really put themselves in a position across the table from the Players Association where they can hurt them going forward. Yeah, I keep saying they should get those negotiations started, right? Don't wait till the end of next season because uh, it could be really, really bad. Doug, any final words uh, before we let Kirk go? Yeah, on, on, on that, I, I think, you know, didn't the players' union kind of miss on the negotiation where they negotiated that they the rule changes could be turned down one year and then the next year go into effect? I mean, to me, that was that was a little bit of a travesty, I think. Well, there's been a few misses by the Players Association in the last few negotiations. Yeah. So don't, I think that's a major one, though, especially when it comes to rules. Say no one year, and then the next year it's, it's, it can be implemented. The, I agree with that. Uh, you know, there's rules that have to be changed back. You know, there's rules that shouldn't even be talked about being a part of the game. You know, I kind of enjoyed, in a way – Although the way that it was managed surprised me. I kind of enjoyed a guy being on second base in the 10th inning last year. <laughs> kidding me. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's kind of crazy. And you know what? When I was coaching my son's Little League team, I used to hate it. <laughs> That's the funny part about it. But I, I, was so, I was so excited when the playoffs began, and I knew that they were going to implement this rule. I said to myself, I go, I can't wait to see what these guys do because none of them are going to be able to forget your bunt. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> It was it was comical, but yet a big percentage of the time they just went about their business. I mean, there was no strategy to get a guy over, or to to bunt a guy over surely, and or to hit a ball to the right side of the infield. Back in the day when I played, your ass is out of the lineup if you don't get a guy over in a key situation from second to third base and no outs by doing it either by bunt or hitting the ball the other way and giving yourself up. That's the way you played the game. It's, you know, there's there's very few guys that can hit the ball the other way nowadays. And and the guys that can do it, those are the good players. They're the guys that hit for average. Yep. He said a lot. Yes. Kurt, you said a lot. And Did I? Yeah, and, <laughs> I'm sorry. And, no, no, no. I'm sorry, sorry if I talked too much. No, no, no not at all. Not we at all. <laughs> that. We, we appreciate your candor. We just, we appreciate you and we thank you so much. This has been extremely enjoyable. Yes. And Kurt, we appreciate you taking your time out. I know you have to go, but it's been a real pleasure. I, I follow you on, on Facebook. You do those Facebook Live. I, I try to uh, catch in when every time you do that. It's really a, a great thing that you do. And we wish you yeah, all the best of luck. I haven't done one of those for a few months now because uh, Hank Bauer, the former Charger football player, lives out here in San Diego. Him and I started doing a show. Ah. And it's uh, it's streaming and it also uh, it also is on a local fifty thousand watt radio station out here in Southern California. So we're getting into that, and it's uh, it's starting to be a lot of fun. Well, best luck to you. Wish you all the best. You know, keep well, and, and thanks for joining us. No, thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation, and if if you hold true to the popularity of your show, then I'll be expecting to come back. Right. Excellent. Oh, yes. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> if not, I'm not going to be back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Doug, everybody, we'll talk to you soon. Thank, thank you. You too. Pleasure. Thank you. Bye now. And we'd like to thank Kurt Bavacqua for taking out some time from his day to speak with us. It's always great to talk to Kurt Bavacqua. Right, Len? Yeah, I can't believe it's been a year since we spoke to him, but he, he was a great guest. He definitely had a lot of opinions on baseball. It was great. Yes. Now, Jeff, a few things. We have some very, very nice companies that we deal with. One being Fifth and Cherry. I have been using the Fifth and Cherry cutting board. It's out on the counter. And I got to tell you, it's not, we're not just using it just to cut meat on. During the holidays, we made pigs in the blanket for a little New Year's Eve celebration, my wife and I. We rolled out the dough, cut the dough on that board, made a little crudite, cut those vegetables on the board. It's out there. We use it all the time. It is such a beautiful part of the kitchen. Highly recommend fifthandcherry.com. And another great company that we love is, of course, baseballbbq.com. They make incredible grilling accessories. 
with handles that are shaped like baseball bats. Very cool. Check out their website, baseballbbq.com. They are terrific. Last but not least, if you like reading books, check out the Pandemic Baseball Book Club. A lot of great authors, really great books. And I understand they're going to have a new uh, set of authors when new books come out. So check them out at Pandemic Baseball Book Club. They've been giving us a lot of great guests, a lot of great authors. And now, Jeff, let's go into our next segment with Doug Shiding. As Kurt left us, but we still talk about baseball and the Hall of Fame. Jeff and Doug, you guys are going to tell me, I'm going to name these players, all right? We're going to go rapid fire, and we're going to see who has a chance and who doesn't. Bobby Abreu. No. No. Doug? I said no. Oh, okay. You both know, right? All right, let's go. Barry Bonds. You said, Doug, you said yes to Barry, right? No, I didn't. I said not for me. Oh, not for you. I, I said he hasn't admitted it. Gotcha. That's right. Jeff? I say no because, you know, I know people say he was a Hall of Famer before he did the steroids. I, you know, I, I don't buy that argument. Yeah, you know, I just don't. All right. And I'm going to I'm gonna just to be the, you know, devil's advocate here, if I'm using the right expression. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes to Barry Bonds, just to be, just to be, you know. An antagonistic type exactly. personality. Yes. Yes. I mean. The, the man is, is is one of the greatest to play the game. I it's I just don't know why he needed to do it. That's all. Yes, it's a shame. It's really a shame. All right. How about Mark Burley, pitcher? Nope. As a fantasy guy, yes. You know, it's funny. He had, ten, he had ten, uh, what, 10 seasons of uh, – or no, 14 seasons of 200 consecutive in, of innings. 14 consecutive years, 200 I, innings. I, I didn't know in that. Today's game, in today's game – and and as a fantasy guy, he was a stud. Mm, I did not know that. And you know, he two hundred fourteen wins, one hundred sixty losses. You know, his stat that's that's pretty good. But three thousand innings, thirty two eighty three innings. Still not a Hall of Famer though. All right, AJ Burnett. We'll just say a big no to that and no. move on. Okay, Roger Clemens. No, no. All right, staying with it. 354 wins. Again, why did he have us take the steroids? Okay, I understand. 354 wins. Roger Clemens. Wow. All right. Uh, he, settled a de- he settled a defamation suit with McNamee, right? His, his home insurance paid for that. Yeah. And, and his wife's admitted to taking steroids from his trainer. Yep. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. it's sad. It's, it's sad. It's just, it really I, 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 you know, maybe someday I'll come around. Pete Rose should be in the hall of fame, but that's a different discussion. Sorry. Right. Well, we could have that discussion. The beauty of this show is it's our show. And tonight, <laughs> it's Doug, your show. Yes. Your show too. <laughs> tonight we have three co-hosts. All right. All right. Thank you. Michael Kadire is a big no. no. Dan Harron is a big no. Latroy Hawkins, oh. he's a no. If you guys disagree for some odd reason, okay. Going through this, I uh, one of the the stats on the pitchers that I thought was interesting is the whip. Dan Heron did have a very low whip, which I thought was impressive. But you know, you know, everyone goes by the ERA, et cetera. But going through this exercise, I was like, man, his whip is really amazing. But yeah, I understand. Yeah, well, now let's let's. Todd Helton. 
any of you say Todd Helton Hall of Fame? I will. And I'll I agree will. with you. Jeff? I will. Uh, you know what? You know I'm a very, very difficult marker when it comes to this. Uh, I am. I mean, the standards got to be very high. And you know what? I think he gets hurt by the uh, course field stigma there. Doug, defend him. Defend okay. Todd Helton. Okay, his his lifetime batting average is three twenty. Okay, and I and I I did go and look at his home and away. Right. So home was three forty five. Away was still two eighty seven. I mean, that's, that's impressive. incredibly impressive. Yeah. And one by definition, what is the definition? Contribution to the team on which he was a player. He he played his entire career at Colorado. He didn't he didn't play five years at Seattle or Los Angeles, which is a pitcher's park, and then go to Colorado to to pad his stats. You can't punish him for that. And in fact, by definition, he's to be rewarded because he's got all of the Colorado records. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, when I look, I was borderline, and when I started researching him, I'm in. I agree with you. I I, I got to agree. Not to be difficult, Jeff, but I got to agree. All right? This is an interesting one. I'm sure, Doug, you did a lot of research on this. Tim Hudson had a very Mike Mussina-like career. He's very underrated. And I'm looking at his stats now. He had so many years of double-digit wins, and he averaged 220 innings per year. Now, that's in, you know, the era of the, you know, 2000s where, you know, that's pretty good. I mean, it's not like when Nolan Ryan was averaging 300 uh, innings a year. But in his era, you know, he's pretty good. ERA three and a half. For that era, you might be able to sway me. Got 222 wins, 133 losses. Yep. That's a great ratio. I mean, Doug, what do you think? Um, he is going to be a borderline candidate, I think. You know, four-time All-Star. He, he was top five in the Cy Young three times, which, which is fairly impressive. So the, another one that's kind of – his, you know, his whip is 1.239. I started going through and looking at everybody's whip on that. So, but, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be a borderline. He, you know, he, he might be like Al Oliver, which Kurt mentioned in terms mm-hmm. of, will he make 5% the first year? I'm not sure he'll make 5% the first year. If I take Tim Hudson and I take Mike Mussina, and of course you don't have Mussina's stats in front of you, but I see a lot of similarities between them. I, I don't know. I, I might actually take Tim Hudson over Mike Mussina. I think he was a better pitcher. The Moose was a cool nickname, though. <laughs> and didn't hurt playing in New York. <laughs> well, okay, there's a little bit of a bias there, but okay, guys. <laughs> All right, Tory Hunter. You know what? He's a pretty good player, but no for me. All are very good. Yeah. I'm going to say yes because of nine gold gloves. He was really a, a pretty good hitter, but I think he had, the nine gold gloves uh, takes him over the top, just barely. He did hit 353 home runs, which not bad. I but mean, he never had a, home, a season where he had more than 30 home runs. But that's it. So you actually say yes to Tory Hunter. I do. That's okay. Because of uh, because of the defensive side of right. the side of yeah. things. And you and, know what? And nine gold gloves is really impressive. Speaking of defense, 
Len, the next guy on the list? That would be Andrew Jones. Yeah. He was he was a great defensive. He was one of the all-time great center fielders. Yeah. Andrew Jones. Yeah. I put him in. Doug? I don't. And and I do like him. Okay, now wait, you put Tory Hunter in, but mm-hmm. not Andrew Jones. Mm-hmm. Defend yourself, Doug. <laughs> I'm looking to see how many gold gloves. He didn't win quite as many gold gloves. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's ten. Yeah. Oh, he did get ten. Wow. Wow. Four hundred thirty-four home runs. One year he had fifty-one home runs. His batting average, though, is is two forty hundreds is two seventy-seven. Andrew Jones is two fifty-four. Right. And I and I was a Braves fan to a certain degree, so I do like Andrew Jones. But I the the two fifty-four was actually the the key thing that I didn't. All right, and we we already went over Ken Andy Pettit. Well, very good. I love that on my on my team, you, but he just just doesn't go over that bar for me. Okay, hold on a second, Andy Pettit, because we're gonna we're gonna leave off the 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 HGH. Two hundred fifty six wins, one hundred fifty three losses. I know. And a three point eight five ERA is a little high, but and also postseason success. I say Andy Pettit gets in. Maybe not this year, but. Yeah, and, and his postseason success, people, you know, he owns the major league record most wins for postseason play. Now, of course, there's been layers and layers of postseason play since the beginning of time. You know, he's going through what three layers when when he played. But hold on, are you putting Schilling in? You know what? I will because he is such a big game pitcher. He's like Jack Morris. Jack Morris didn't have the greatest stats, but you know what? He's a big game pitcher. Doug? I'm yes, I'm both. I like Pettit. I'd like him in a big game. Kurt Schelling, yes. Okay. All right. What about uh, – I'm going to I have trouble with this first name, but Aramis. Uh, Aramis Ramirez. Aramis. Thank you. <laughs> I guess as, as, a, as he played for the Cubs, so it's his name's Aramis Ramirez, yes. Uh, Ramirez. What do you think, guys? No. Just barely no. Okay. I mean, he had a good batting average. All right, whatever. Uh, Manny Ramirez. Manny being Manny. Nope. No. Nope. Nope to both. Okay. Failed test. Both of you say no. Okay. Failed test. Yeah, not once. Twice. Twice. Right. Okay. Twice after it was illegal. Right. right. Scott Rowland. Mm. He's got a case. He's got a case. Eight-time Gold Glove winner. Mm-hmm. Two eighty batting average. Over three hundred home runs. Hell of a, a player. I don't know if he gets over that bar for me. Right. Okay. I would All say right. yes. You say yes, Doug? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Here's an interesting one, which I, I can't understand why he's not in already, but maybe you guys can argue this one. Gary Sheffield. Doug? Gary. Well, he is an admitted steroid user, so some people are going to hold that against him, correct? That's the reason. Yep. 509 home runs. Kind of a magic number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 the steroid thing. Yeah, it's got it because lifetime two ninety two batting average. Yep. And, yeah, and and he only had thirty percent, and it's his seventh year. Yeah, Jeff, I agree. It's you know he's steroid. If it wasn't for that, he's a no for me. Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa hit over sixty home runs. Uh, one, two, 
three times and never led the league. <laughs> what is that? How can he have a 60 home run three times and not lead the league? Huh, I wonder. <laughs> huh. It's pretty amazing, right? Now, Sammy Sosa, he was he was never he never tested positive or he was on the, the list. He was on the Mitchell report. Mitchell report. report. Right? Is that is that what it was? Yeah. He never he never tested positive, I believe. I don't remember. I don't know if he was on the list or not, but uh, uh with his the staff. Mitchell report is what it is. And look who you know, contracted a senator, a pol- you know, because it was a political type type issue that 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 was done for. But we can get into that uh, some other day. The corked bat, yeah, that's oh yeah, bat. And I'm a Cubs fan. He hit 609 home runs. Yeah, that was hey, a problem. Uh, Nick Swisher is a no. <laughs> uh, a fun player, but no. Shane Victorino, no. Uh, He's a no. Omar Vizquel. How much emphasis do you guys put on defense? That's the question. I, I'm with, I, I, I am a Omar guy. I think he should be in. 11 gold gloves. Yeah, I think he should be in. I, I he's think almost 3,000 hits. Yeah. And like I said, he's, his stats are very comparable to Ozzy. He just doesn't do the black backflip. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I don't know if he has this personality of Ozzy either. That's, yeah. <laughs> I loved Ozzy as a as yeah. a manager. Sure. Oh my gosh, he was great. His interviews. You know, here's a here's one. Billy Wagner. Yes. I, mean, I have him as a no, but um, yes. you say <laughs> yes. Yes. Who has the best all time K's per nine? Well, I'm gonna guess Billy Wagner. Oh, 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 we're talking about Billy Wagner. Yeah, that's him. 11.9. If you ever said to me that Billy Wagner would be even considered, for, I mean, I never thought of him as a Hall of Famer, but Jeff, you, your opinion. I, I have a bias against relievers, so uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a no for me, but yeah, I still love him on my team. Well, he was on your team at one point. Was, yes. Here's a good, and this is the uh, the last one, Barry Zito. Uh, no, no for me, his... No, no. his 162 game average is 13 and 11 with a 4.0 ERA, 4.04 ERA. Yeah, I should have said no to him right away. But the one thing he did do very well was to sign a very big contract. Huge <laughs> contract. Uh, yes. <laughs> Great curveball. That yes. He could be in the Hall of Fame for that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and we'll be right back after this word from Gary Mack. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musics Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is, after I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. Thank you, Gary Mack. Actually, Jeff, you even did that one better than me. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, we've got to give a special shout out to Mariah Champagne. She is a 13-year-old lover of the show. She loves to cook. She makes her own recipes. And she's absolutely obsessed with the music group AJR. She loves our show. Shout out to Mariah. (laughs) That's right. Thanks, Mariah. Hope you keep listening.
And now you can't have Doug Shiding on without some really good barbecue talk. And we really had some great talk from the award-winning pitmaster, Doug Shiding. Take a listen. All right, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to turn the show over to you. We have on Doug is, you know, top rate. In the world of baseball, he is Thank definitely you. top rate. As we said, the guy hit over 500 home runs. So, <laughs> And I could pitch with both hands. It was great. I was ambidextrous. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Doug, uh, my son came home from college, and first thing he did was make a brisket. And I wonder whose recipe he followed, or ah. a variation of. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Inquiring minds want to know. You know what? He did take it off the the, the Traeger website uh, on the app. Okay. So it was that one. But I thought, was, look, for the first time, first time doing it, it was great. But you know, I, I I'm uh, I'm biased in my judgment, so I gave a couple pieces over to Len. But Len, what did you say? It was delicious. It was oh, really fantastic! Good. That's hey, great. You know what, Doug? You know what's so funny though? What? His son is is a, a sophomore in college. He wanted mm-hmm. to make this brisket. I get a text. Jeff was surprised. He's like, "No, he didn't text you." I get a text from him, and he said from uh, his son. And he says, uh, I'd give the brisket a 7 out of 10. He wow. Said, yeah. He said it was a little tough. He said, but it had good pull. And I'm like thinking to myself, how the heck does he know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Or a good tug or whatever it was. Uh-huh. And now, it also had a very good smoke ring. Ah, a little lipstick. Yeah. And it, I like that. And it was made on a Traeger. And it was a beautiful smoke. It actually was a beautiful smoke ring. Awesome. And yeah, that was uh, another thing. It was, it was very good. It was very tender. I liked it. Really good. Good. Yeah. Was it smoked overnight? No, it was not smoked overnight. Uh, okay. All right. Wasn't my recipe then. Flat. <laughs> I don't think it was the point. I think it was just the flat. I don't think. What? It was, it was just the flat? How much did it weigh? It weighed about, uh, I think about 11 pounds. Oh, yeah, no, no, it, it had the point on it. Dude. Oh, that it had the if point on it. If it was 11, 11 it was pounds, yeah. I was, I was like, man, if it just had the flat, he might as well just go up against Nolan Ryan on the first bat, you know, <laughs> his at bat, and, you know, to see how his luck is going to go. Well, then you just gave me the flat part because I, I don't think what you gave me was the point, and it was delicious. Well, because he knows you like lean meat, and so, you know, in Texas, he was lean or fat, and so, you know, <laughs> when you like the lean, he understands that. <laughs> All right, so – we, we spoke, we, we talked about the Hall of Fame, all right? You still affiliated with the head country? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I love their, um, was it the apple habanero sauce? Oh, yeah. That, to me, that's, that's my current favorite with them is, is the apple habanero. So that's, that's actually my base, ru- uh, base uh, sauce for my chicken and my ribs. So that's, that's currently, it used to be the, the original, but now the apple habanero is, and, and don't be afraid with the habanero name. It, 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 it has a little bit of spice, but not too much, too much spice. So yeah, actually the name I think is, it makes it sound a little, little spicier than it is. You know, Doug, my daughter for uh, the holiday, she bought me uh, artisan sauces. She went on Etsy. It's unbelievable how many people are making their own sauces. Oh. I never realized, you know, we've had on, of course, 
uh, Ray Sheehan, who has, you know, his yep. barbecue Buddha uh, sauces, yep. and he's doing quite well with it. And we, at one time we had on uh, Damon Mullen, right? Am I saying his name right, Jeff? Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sweet Heat. Right. Sweet Heat had sauces. But when you go on like Etsy, and of course there's the brands, you know, Head Country and Blues Hog and you know, all the, you know, the names of the sauces. But when you go on Etsy, it's amazing how many, and that's just on Etsy. Well, that's from all over the world. Except, I mean, th- there's enough sauces here in the U.S. With, with, without having to go all over, all over the world. I mean, Head Country is actually like the number seven in terms of, you know, production and in, in, in terms of sales of sauce, you know, and heck, they're only in 15 or 20 states. They're not even widely widely distributed. So they're kind of like, a, you mentioned, you know, the, the, the other, the other sauce. Um, oh, Blues Hog. Uh, Blues, Hog. Blues, Hog. <laughs> Blues Hog is like so known in competition that, you know, that, that kind of changed the flavor profile in competition for a while, but head country is kind of just quietly underneath the, the line, the Mendoza line and no one knows about it and stuff. So, but uh, head country is just fantastic. And so, yeah, I've, I've been associated with them and I've used head country literally since day one. A neighbor of mine who got me cooking on drum smokers also gave me a bottle of head country uh, sauce to make, you know, to make my first ribs with. And, uh, you know, that was back in 2008. So Doug, do you get, being that you have now, of course, you're associated with our show. So I'm sure that the offers are rolling in, but uh, <laughs> exactly, also, yeah, exactly. Because you know the Barbecue Central show is totally overrated, and so is Greg. I mean, do you uh, agree I with was me or not? Say, you know, you do you agree with me or not? <laughs> I know. No, 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 no. I would never say that. <laughs> oh, come on! <laughs> he may be listening. <laughs> uh, oh no, he'll never listen. You'll never hear about it. <laughs> but how do you? you probably get so many offers and people coming to you and they want you to either test their product, represent their product. How do you decide what you're going to represent or be involved with? Well, that's a great question. A couple of things. Yeah. In fact, I got two today, you know, on, on Instagram. In fact, last week or two, you know, on, we've got a chat with the, you know, our embedded, embedded correspondents and stuff. And so we were like, oh yeah, the, you know, these are the crazy people that are, you know, trying to contact us and stuff. And so, but oddly enough too, today, I got two, hey, you know, DM me if you're interested in other, you know, products and et cetera. So, you know, I've got a couple of criteria. Number one, I've got to know it in, you know, it's got to be kind of in my repertoire. You know, I'll, I'll take a look at some new things, but I definitely do not want to be a NASCAR kind of guy. And, and the, the people that I, and companies that I do team up with for like, let's say recently I've teamed up with E3 Meat Company out of Kansas. Their mission and what they do in terms of, they've got a foundation that's actually, you know, donates 10% of their profits from the, the meat company to the foundation. That's, and, and one of their things is human trafficking which is, you know, something that's a, a problem that it's those kind of quality type organizations and people and the people that are already associated with them. And I do like their product. I'm a sales guy. I've always been, as a sales guy, you've got to believe and use the product. Head Country, I've used it since day one. Traeger, you know, I've had great success with, with Traeger and being with them and, and Sucklebusters, you know, which is another one that I'm associated with, which is a rub out of Texas. 
and salt, pepper, garlic, and their SPG. That's kind of my base rub on, on my brisket. And so I'll, uh, that is my base rub, head country marinade, and then the, the suckle busters SPG. And then from there I'll play the, those, those are two things I'm not going to change. But so it's, it's the quality of the organization. Do I use it and believe in the product? And, you know, it, does it conflict with anything else? So people, I used to make my own rubs and uh, it can, can kind of drive yourself crazy. I'd rather just use a commercial rub and sauce. Hmm. Doug, I'm going to ask you for a, a recipe. Do you have a, a good recipe for uh, Cornish game hens on, on the grill? You know, I, I treat them as they are smaller, smaller, just smaller chickens. You know, they're about four pounds, right? Three to four pounds. Yeah. So I um, won't inject as much. And then sometimes I, I don't inject, but um, for chicken or hens, because actually at, at the Houston Rodeo, they've switched from really cooking chickens, like say five pound birds to the boxes, the turn in box is so small. It's really a Cornish hen now. And so I do just about the same thing that I do on my half chicken and I do it on that Cornish hen. hen. So I'll, I'll use something like I'm not sponsored by butcher's barbecue, but I do use his products for injecting. The chicken is, is a totally blank slate. So it, you don't need a lot of flavor to have a big effect in, in the actual base meat. And then really the key then is really the, you know, the getting the, uh, the skin, the, the skin a little crispy and not rubbery stuff. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I think brining is a waste of time and energy and money. Brining a, a chicken, I think is a waste. And one thing I will say about chicken, do not, and I presume they sell them as young, fresh Cornish hens, right? Yeah. Yep. Do not waste money on any chicken that's been frozen. And do not buy a Cornish hen in, uh, so I buy the young fresh and I think that's down to like 28, 29 degrees is what they're, you know, it won't be solid like a turkey, you know, bowling ball that, that you get on, you know, for tur- get a young fresh and then it's, so it's partially frozen, not totally frozen. And those, that is what I've cooked. I don't, I think I have never placed in a top 10 when I have cooked a frozen chicken, whether I bought it as a young fresh and then froze it and then cooked it, I think it changes the texture of the meat somehow. So you would put on the same, same seasoning? Same yeah, sure. It's just a smaller chicken. Okay. It's just a smaller chicken. Doug, before this corona happened, how often were you competing? Oh, I, I would compete. The last couple of years, I think I've averaged about 12 to 15 competitions a year. And then the other, let's say, Last, you know, last year I was gone, what, 27 weekends for barbecue. So I think I did 14 competitions last year. And then the, the rest of them were like, you know, for Traeger events or, you know, some other event sort of thing. So most of them were Traeger, you know, classes or events, et cetera. I've been going out to the Santa Barbara Beer and Barbecue Festival where I kind of head up there, uh, help head up their barbecue side and then, you know, go up to Montana a few times and things. So. Now, have you been to Kansas City for a barbecue? Oh, absolutely. Well, when you say barbecue, I've cooked it. I've cooked the American Royal twice, which is a very hard contest just because, uh, you know, if you cook that that event, you're in the Invitational in the open. It's 11 turn-ins. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, I did it. I think the last time I did it was 2018. I cooked actually with that one with uh, Danielle DeVecue. 
if you know if you've, yeah. you've heard of yeah. her. So we actually did did pretty well and stuff. So, but uh, for barbecue, for to eat, you know, from restaurants is what you're talking about. Yeah, because we were yeah. shamed. We, you know, we had Robert Wool on, and he shamed us. He shamed you in in well, what way? You know, he said he said you're a barbecue podcast, and you've never been to Kansas City, so we have got to Jeff and I. That's we we have to plan our trip to Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. I probably win in 2014 ish. You know, because not this year, but most most years we go to a different stadium. You know, baseball stadium, and so we went and saw the Royals. And I think what what Hall of Fame is there? Uh, is that the Negro League Hall of Fame? Yes, yes. So we went to that one when we when we were there. And in fact, it was really weird. Some of the the most hate I've ever had wearing Cubs gear was at the, the KC <laughs> Stadium, which I thought was really weird. But yeah, we went to Arthur Bryant's and we went to a couple of other ones while while we're there. So absolutely, when we go to different baseball stadiums and cities. I'm I'm always game to you know obviously to go check out some some of the better highly known uh, barbecue restaurants. Yes, uh, Doug, I have two questions. When you said you had eleven turn-ins, what type of meat are you turning in? Eleven uh, different types, or is it brisket three days, three times, or? or? Uh, yeah, so so at the at the American Royal, which is the largest barbecue contest in the world, the Houston Rodeo might be a- after that, but the they have an invitational. Which which means you have to win a, what are the rules? You have to win a win or reserve a contest and fifty people or whatever, and then you qualify for this. So it's people that have won. So you know there might be a hundred and fifty teams at that, and so that's sponsored by KCB or uh, sanctioned by KCBS. And so then you have the four turn-ins. So you, so you have and and they they're all in thirty minute uh, increments. So you've got chicken. Then, then I think it's ribs, pork butt, and brisket. So those are your four turn-ins. And it's actually very fast-paced. I like it because in Texas, we, we, we skip the pork butt, and then we have chicken, ribs, and brisket. So, but it's separated, let's say, by an hour and a half. You know, so there's a lot of time. It's a lot of dead time. So, but, but I do like the, the fast. So Friday, those are four turn-ins. And then that's Saturday. Then Sunday is when the American Royal open is, and they'll have 300 to 400 to 600 teams. The best one uh, that I went to was when it was held in the Arrowhead stadium and which is right next to the, you know, where the Royals play and everything. And so the parking was right. It was actually great having it there. So the next day, the open day, they'll have 300 to 600 teams. You've got seven turn-ins. They've got, you know, you've got your four, let's, you know, and then, then they've got like sausage, dessert, potato, you know, they, they, there's all these other, uh, other turn there's, yeah. So there's eight. So I'm missing one sausage, potato. Yeah. So there's ancillaries that, that they have that, that you turn in. And I always want to turn all of them in because heck, you never know what what you're going to, I mean, when we were with Danielle, we were first in potato and I think we got second in, in, um, in sausage or something like that. And so then actually the following year she was determined and she actually won the, the sausage the next year. But uh, yeah, so it's, you know, four t- turn-ins on the, uh, the invitational and then, and then eight on, on the open. You don't have to turn them all in. And a lot of people don't because a lot of people think those, the ancillary c- contests actually take your focus off 
you know, the, the actual barbecue event and of the main, you know, the main event, but heck, if you can get a first in the other one, that's just as good as the, you know, first and brisket to a certain degree. Yeah. Sorry. Um, my other question is when, when next time you get into the, uh, the Philly area, let us know. We'll meet you down there at the Citizens Bank Park and uh, oh. we'll get together with uh, Greg Lozinski and you'll check out his, his barbecue there. He is a uh, concession right there in, in the I heard about it. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard about it. Yeah, we went to Philly probably three, four years ago. So, yeah, probably Tampa's up there, but we'll, I will definitely let you know when we get up that way or even, or even New York. So we, we haven't been to the new Yankee stadium for a game. We took a tour when, when we were up that way, but uh, yeah. Speaking of, speaking of New York, unfortunately due to COVID, one of the great barbecue restaurants in New York city closed down. Mm-mm. It's called blue smoke. And I've been there several times and it was definitely one of the best ones out, out there. Really? Yeah. And they how had long there. was that? How long, how many years had that been around? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you. They just closed down last week. Oh, yeah, it's a shame. Wow. Actually, I had a, a guy buy that was opening up a Blue Smoke barbecue restaurant that bought it. I'm a collector of web domains. Mm. So I, and he bought that. That was probably five, six, seven years ago. But anyway, that's, that's sad to hear. Yeah. That's sad to hear. So I was going to ask you something. And I- oh, no worries. No worries. Well, you, you know, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned head country. So yeah, I just got a contract for uh, another year. I probably have, you know, on Traeger's website, I have... 11 rubs recipes and a few in the queue on, on head country. I probably have at least that many and, uh, and maybe more. I mean, I just developed a, they didn't have a prime rib recipe and really? uh, yeah. So they contacted me, you know, it was, I guess it was about a month before Thanksgiving and, you know, they texted me and said, Hey, what's, what's your favorite thing to cook on tur- you know, the Thanksgiving holiday. And I said, well, other than Turkey, it's prime rib. And, th- and they said, perfect answer. We want you to develop a recipe. And I'm like, okay, perfect. So um, I developed a recipe uh, for prime rib for them. But uh, yeah, I love, I love just doing the recipes, you know, with the Traeger, you know, it takes the fire management out of it and you can, you can have fun developing recipes. And, and uh, that's actually been, been a creative side, not my engineering side, but a creative side that uh, has come out in, in my cooking that, uh, that I really enjoy and, and have fun doing. Yeah, I have to tell you, I, I love the Traeger. I, I mean, seriously, it, it is great. You're right. It's you, you set it and you don't have to worry about you could just it's it, it, the set it and forget it, I think is misleading. Right. Because I was going to say, you're going to have to feed the uh, hopper if you've been running out of pellets. You do have to feed the hopper. But, you know, there's things you do. You can use spritz. You right, can move it around. It's the set it and forget it. I think is a little misleading. So I, I, I don't like that, but you, but you can do that if you want to get sleep all night, you know? Exactly. So I, I mean, I cooked uh, two brisket points this weekend and put it on at 10 and got up at seven and checked it. And I left it on till 11 and, you know, naked and then wrapped them. Uh, but I was cooking it, you know, like 170 you know, so, uh, all night. That's why I was asking if the brisket was an all nighter, but that, that would, that's perfect for, for what the Traeger it's a, such a fine smoke. You, you, you put it on and then you can just leave it and lo- and it's perfect for low and slow. It's perfect for low and slow. Jeff, that, that one, you said it was 11 pounds. You started that what time in the morning? Eight. Yeah. Eight. 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 What time? Four or five, whatever, whenever it got up to the temperature. Yeah, you know, when I had the probe in there, then once the temperature hit one 
65 something like that yeah and then you wrapped it yeah then it had to go up to 205 i think it was yeah you could wrap it a little earlier 160 ish maybe 155 even yeah so but you wrapped it in foil right right so okay so all right i told you i listened to that guy this weekend Brian Greek, uh, yes. Yes. This weekend, for the first time ever, I wrapped it in parchment paper and then the aluminum foil around it. Thought that was very interesting what, what he had said. So I was I was looking it up just from the and what he said for, for viewers that may uh, or listeners that may not have heard it is that the aluminum foil reacts with some of the acids that could be in. So it's a great reason. Not to cook with mustard, which I don't, because that has acid. And I've always said, I don't know what your rub chemical reaction is with mustard when you put mustard on. So I don't know all the chemical react. So I, I just never, I've used mustard a few times. It doesn't add anything in my, my view. But he also said citric acid, which is the apple cider vinegar, I thought was very interesting. Some people put that, you know, in their sauce and, you know, put the foil on. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And, um, you know, and, and then he said tomato sauce too, that that could react. And, and I looked it up and I'm like, I'll be darned. He's right. So, um, I don't think I have any of those in, in, in my rubs. I, but I certainly add a touch of apple cider vinegar to apple cider vinegar is the equivalent liquid to salt. You know, always people on the cooking shows, what are they? You really should have salted a little more. Well, yeah, okay. All right. Apple cider vinegar in your glazes, in your sauce, will actually perk up your taste buds a little bit when it hits your tongue. And, and it'll, you know, in competition barbecue, that's what you want. You're looking for that one bite, but that's what apple cider vinegar does. Now I remember what I was going to ask you. Oh, sweet. I knew we'd come around to it, <laughs> just like Kurt. We came around to it with Kurt, too. <laughs> Doug, so you you saw on uh, Netflix the uh, the competition show, right? How all of a sudden I can't remember, but uh, no, I didn't. Chef's Table and or, or the other one, yeah, I didn't see it. Oh, okay. Yeah, but this doesn't matter whether you I saw wanted it or not, to see but... it. Let's just say that. Okay. So have you ever have you ever been approached or tried to get onto it, whether it's you know Pitmasters or what one of these television shows? Have you ever been approached or tried to get onto one of those? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. When in 2013, when I first started, you know, sw- uh, switched over with Traeger and everything. So I cooked that San Antonio Rodeo when I got an issue with my teammate and, you know, the road cooker story and stuff like that. So, yeah, oddly enough, that the guy that, you know, was next to me and asked me to cook to, in the Houston Rodeo, because they had won the Houston rodeo and they fought over the trophies and stuff and he didn't have cookers. So that's actually how I cooked the Jack. The first time he asked me to cook the Jack called me on a Monday, went and cooked the Jack that weekend and came back. I mean, it was 80 hours of just craziness, but at, while at the Jack, because we, I mean, we finished maybe 70th or something, but everyone thought we were on backyard cookers because we were cooking on barrels and stuff there. And it was, it was kind of funny and stuff, but we did decently well. And, uh, he asked me, he goes, Hey, um, there's, there's, there's this event in New York where they're, it was the Kingsford Invitational where they, you know, invited like eight teams to go. And he goes, um, I need a cook for that. 
And it was like in two weeks. And being on TV and that sort of thing was appealing. But I was like, I just can't do a quality job and represent myself well and and do that in two weeks. And I'm like, no, Carrie, I'm sorry. I I can't do that. Yeah, he 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 appeared on TV, and and if I was on, uh, I wouldn't want to have been associated with kind of how he performed on that on that uh, on that event. So so that was probably my my only time. You know, I did a infomercial, a TV infomercial for Traeger. I guess a couple of months ago. Oh, in, the show, right? Huh? I'm sorry. That, that show, right? Yeah, it was a uh, Texas Today. Yeah. Um, so I did I did do that. Uh, Traeger's advertising in, in, in the Dallas marketplace. And so this was a, uh, something that they were asked to do. And so I, I went and did that and heck, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was great. I mean, it seemed like we talked for a minute and a half instead of four minutes. See, I'm always amazed with those cooking shows when they have the fully, and you have a fully stocked pantry or whatever, right? And, yeah. then, they, and then they give them like, a, they're like, Here's the meat. You know, they give them whatever they're going to be using. And they're like, okay, now go get your ingredients or whatever. And they and they just know what they're going to cook. And they run into the pantry and they get. Yeah. I I am. My wife said, I'm probably not, would be the best on that sort of thing. I got a need. I have a need to think and plan it out, et cetera. But I, you know, I'm addicted to those kind of shows. Cutthroat Kitchen with Alton Brown. I love that show because, you know, all the dastardly deeds he would do to the, you know, the people and they'd pay money. I just love that show. I was addicted. You know, the beat Bobby Flay, you know, I mean, he's on season 20. Uh, I've watched almost all the episodes, but I watch them again. And, you know, I'll, you know, I'll be working and I'll watch them and stuff. But there's been some, you know, even recently that I haven't seen. So, no, I do like the show. You know, I didn't like Chopped as, as well. But if, you know, Bobby Flay is on or something. But, you know, a good friend of mine actually won Chopped. He was, he's a, actually a trained culinary. He, the Chopped Grill Master uh, Season 1, Ernest Cervantes of Burnt Bean Company. He, he's a chef that was at uh, Texas Lutheran University. Actually just opened up his a barbecue restaurant in Seguin and uh, he won uh, season one. We were at the watch party, you oh. know, that, that he had and stuff. So, yeah. I think Ed Randolph, uh, Jeff, didn't Ed Randolph? I think uh, he was on Chopped. Was, was it I Chopped? Thought, I thought he won his, well, he won his episode, I guess. Yeah, maybe he won his episode, but mm-hmm. the first season, Ernest Cervantes won. Yeah. And yeah, it was great. I mean, you know, it was great, you know, Texas guy and, you know, it, he's, he's just not, but he's a trained chef. So he's good at, you know, okay, give me four wild ingredients and elderberry or whatever you want to, you know, and coming up with, with the recipe. So my wife, if, if, if I could do it, have my wife do that first version out of the, out of the, you know, the basket and then let me cook a, a dish that I've cooked several times, that would be, uh, that would be perfect, but they don't allow that. They don't have it. We don't have a DH in, in chopped. <laughs> Not like the National League. And let's keep the you know the the pitchers hitting. That the, you know even uh, even though yeah, we get every now and then. So I, I agree. To, I'm anti DH, but. I will say I'm not ready to die on that hill because the way the pitcher they use these days, they don't go more than five six innings. They don't know how to bunt. The strategy is already taken out. So I'm you know what? They're weak. It, yeah. I know it's time to turn the page. It's uh, my forgiven. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. it's more pure baseball. But heck, if you were going to put you know people on and 
the second, you know, uh, yeah. second base in the extra innings and a pitcher has to pitch to three instead of, I like a pitcher pitching to one batter. Uh-huh. Mono e mono. That's the <laughs> definition of mono e mono. Right. And coming in, I, and that, and that is more strategy than, you know, for the, for the manager as well, you know, and, and thinking moves ahead, but, uh, but anyway, I, I will tell I, you I why why I'm kind of anti relievers in, in the in the Hall of Fame, and it's anti because what? In, uh, a bias against relievers oh, in the Hall of Fame when they're coming in one inning at a time. Uh, you know, if the old days when you had Raleigh Fingers, Rich, Rich Gossage, Bruce, they come in in this seventh inning with two guys on one out, and they're pitching the rest of the game. These guys, they come in for 15 pitches, they get their save, and it's done. I mean, it's you know they're gonna they're gonna get that save ninety seven ninety eight percent of the time. Yeah, but but the good ones should be brought in some in the eighth inning, right? Yeah, I mean, but know. then they don't get that save stacked. They don't get that save because they're taken out of the out of the game. Well, but no, I'm th- I'm saying they come in in the eighth and then they're you know getting. Oh, five sure, but yeah, 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 the good the good ones the good ones are so yeah. yeah. And with that, Doug, do you have anything you like to plug? You're on Instagram, right? Uh, Instagram at Rogue Cookers and Twitter, uh, as well as uh, Facebook as well. So, and we've already mentioned uh, the longest running Barbecue yeah. Central, you know, Which correspondent, you know, with with the overrated show and the overrated, <laughs> you know, uh, guy. But uh, you know, his origin stories were just amazing. Um, they, yes. they were really good. And uh, I, in fact, I had someone yesterday that said that they listened to my origin story, and and, and truthfully, it took me two weeks to post that thing. Because I was like, wow, I kind of shared a lot of stuff that, that normally shoot with people. Yeah. And, and I had my wife listen to it. I'm like, is it okay to kind of post that? You know? But anyway, so yeah, that was, that was a lot. And um, Head Country, obviously, um, love their products and, and, and the people there and uh, Suckle Busters and, and, and E3. So those are my three, my three uh, with Head Country and, and Traeger being paid, paid sponsors. And I also, I want to say with that origin story, a couple of things. Oh, I gave you the challenge because I was being, I was being just, yes. And I gave you a challenge and I said, Doug, when you give your story, (laughs) you are to use, if you are really good, I want you to use a word in that story. And the word is candelabra. And you used it. (laughs) Yes. Did you go back and listen to it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I did so, use it. I didn't so, think I was going to be able to use that. Yeah, well, you did. And for our listeners, <laughs> find Doug's origin story on the Barbecue Central show with incredible host Greg Rempe and Overrated. hear Doug as he uses the word candelabra in his origin story. <laughs> it was the sto- It was with, yeah, the story of co- kind of in the college time frame if you're good. Trying to narrow time. down into that's something. The so, yeah, yeah. The, the night the, the night I met with my wife. So, yeah, that's all I'll say. And I and the other thing that I want to say, we joke about it, of course, but uh, uh, we we are so thankful to the Barbecue Central show for so many reasons. But right now, one of the main reasons is that we found you and Doug. You are just. I know uh, Greg said this was your going to be your 78th time on our show. 78th time, yeah, exactly, you know. And we hope that we go 100 plus, okay? You are a joy, and you know that, and we're Appreciate so glad it. that we found you. 
And we just, we, we really appreciate you yes. coming on, being a friend of the show. Thank you. If, if oh, anything, if 2020, which was a crazy year, yes, did anything, was we found you and, and I just, I know it sounds corny, but I'm saying it. I like to tell people that when I appreciate them, when we appreciate them, and we appreciate you. Thank, thank you very much. I was actually feeling a little pressure on the baseball side. I'm like, I'm a fantasy guy. I got it. I mean, this is, you know, and so I actually studied some. I contacted my, my, my good friend here, Mark Solomon here in town. I'm like, you know, who's the commissioner of the league, who's won our league 15 times out of, out of uh, 20 years. But, uh, but, hey, I won it last year, this year. So, I mean, you know, what have you done for me last? But yeah, I was like, man, you got to help me. You got to help me. And so, so yeah. Yeah. So he was the one that was telling me, oh yeah, the pitching, you know, with, you know, he's a, he's Kershaw's on his team and he thinks Kershaw's the goat and he's in and all this stuff. But uh, yeah, but it, but that actually took me into a a good path in terms of looking at, you know, the differences in pitching now versus, versus the past, but no, it's been fun. I love, I love both and could talk both of them for hours and it's been great to get to know you guys. Thank you, Doug. And you thank you very much. And thank you, Doug Scheiding, for joining us for this entire episode, talking with Kurt, talking with us, talking baseball, talking barbecue. That's what we do here. Yes, we do. We got, got it. Like I said in the, in the interview, tonight we had three co-hosts. <laughs> Maybe if we count Kurt four, but Doug Scheiding, definitely. I got to watch my back, Jeff. Because I think if ever I, uh, you know, have to take a day off, I, I think he could easily step in, and I'd be, uh, it'd be another Wally Pip situation. <laughs> well, you know, we love we love Doug Scheiding. Exactly. Yes. Terrific. So, Jeff, thank you for a, an incredible episode eighty-one. Let's go out with none other than our friends, the poet, the musician, Shel Krakowski, Dave Dresser, with baseball. Always brings you home. See ya. Fresh clock.